please be seated. Um, if you can grab a Bible or something, uh, please do, <coughs> you don't have to, but if you've got one near you, please go back to Psalm 1 and 2. I think in the evenings for a little bit, I'll do Psalms, um, and I'm hoping it'll sort of bolster up the morning series that we're doing about church. So you go to Psalm 1 and 2, and I'll ask you a question which is really depressing, and I get asked it a lot. Oh, I did growing up. How's your walk with God? <laughs> no, come on, how is it? And it's a tough one, that, isn't it? Um, and we sort of fob it off sometimes with some cliched answer, like, eh, you know what it is. But inside, or if they press you on it, how is your walk with God? I venture to say, as the minister here, um, we're pr probably most of us, if you're like me, is the answer is pretty shoddy at best. Pretty shoddy. Um, my best efforts, honestly, are as filthy rags. Um, and there's a way of reading Psalm 1 that will really finish us off tonight, and we'll go home as the most depressed people in Cardiff if we read it a certain way. Um, I actually think it's the wrong way, thankfully. I just want to bolster up tonight why we've got hope and why Christianity and Jesus are so special. Um, and it's if you read Psalm 1 and 2 right, we should all go home skipping, if we can still skip, um, but, or at least in our hearts. So I got some questions. Who's the best musician ever? <laughs> you ever thought about that? Or what group are the best musicians ever? Suppose some people are like, the 1950s, or the 1980s, and some people are like, the 90s, and what's your favorite generation of music? Who are the best musicians ever? Have you ever thought of that? <coughs> um, I think, I think, and you might think this is cliche, but no, I do think it. I think it's, I think it's the people of God. I think when the people of God get together and belt out hymns, there's nothing better. I do think that. And um, because God invented music, which is why we're musical, and I think when we reorientate it backwards, uh, upwards to him, it serves its proper purpose. Have you ever heard a male voice choir just banging out hymns? I'm not sure there's anything better. It's powerful stuff. And Psalms is the hymn book of the ancient church. I just think music in Top of the Pops today is rubbish compared to the Psalms. It's like a malnourished meal from what music could be. The Hebrew church, which is the book of the Psalms, it's their hymn book. I just think it's the best era ever, and it knocks the spots off dire straits, or whoever you were thinking of, um, Elvis Presley or something. This is better, and they're good, but this is better. And after the Hebrew era, the Greeks came in just before the Romans. They tried it a bit, but their music isn't as good either. If you read their music and poetry, the Psalms, it's big. And when they used to sing this stuff set to music, oh, I would have loved to be there. Um, have you heard this saying? 
I might have said it already, but I've taken so many meetings this week, I can't remember what I've said and when. Let me write the songs of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. Have you heard that? Let me write the songs of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. In other words, the musicians, and music is so moving and powerful, the musicians often lead movements even more than the politicians do. Like you have little swathes of, music, of musicians and their lyrics firing up a generation even more than, say, a prime minister can. Let me write the songs of the nations and I care not who writes its laws. So the Psalms, because music is so powerful, it's powerful stuff. And the Psalms we've got tonight could really fire us up. Um, do you remember Whitney Houston? Um, do you remember Whitney Houston? Yeah, right, good. She had a song. Um, she was a powerful singer, but my issue was she'd always make the music about herself. And I'm like, oh, you're such a good singer. Put something about Jesus in there. And she sung this one. I won't sing it. Um, if tomorrow was judgment day and the Lord asked me how I spent my life or something. Do you know the song? No. She said, I would say, I spent it with you. And she's talking about her boyfriend at the time. So she's going to stand before the living God. And she wrote this lively song. And if the Lord asks her, how did you spend your life? She's going to turn about her boyfriend and go, I spent it with you. I'm like, Whitney, oh, you're missing the mark with that song. Because imagine you had said, I spent it with Jesus. He's so much better than my boyfriend. Music, that could have like swayed so many people in a powerful way because music is powerful right all that to say some people read psalm 1 and 2 this amazing song of the ancient church and they make it about themselves and that misses the mark and i'm hopefully going to show you that soon um i don't know a recent survey was taken by the way of people obsessed with Facebook and who spend all day every day checking Facebook and information about themselves and their little circle of friends. Did you know that the, they will then tell you the quality of their life is diminishing the more that their whole existence is just becoming about themselves? It's a really fascinating study with teenagers because music and everything like Facebook is all right, but it's the best when it's going up. Right, Psalm 1 and 2. In the Psalms, all 150, there are basically four characters. You could look out for them. The Lord, he's mentioned a lot. Then you get another one, the Christ, or the blessed man. And there's another group mentioned, the righteous, who take refuge in this blessed man. They're mentioned a lot in the Psalms. And then there's another group, the wicked, who oppose the righteous people and the blessed man. All the Psalms interact with those four characters, okay? And in Psalm 1, the blessed man is presented before the Lord, and then the righteous people who are following him are contrasted with the wicked people who aren't following him. And then in Psalm 2, the righteous people complain to the Lord about the wicked people who are hurting them. And the Lord 
reminds the righteous people about his blessed man. Huh? Okay. Where do we fit in and why? what's the point of today? All right. Jesus and the apostles often said that the Psalms were all about Jesus. Before us, they had the Christ in mind. So, um, Psalm 41, you can read it when you get home, it's about people ganging up on the blessed man. And it's basically a moving psalm about Jesus. Jesus quotes that in Matthew 26, that it's about him being betrayed by Judas. It's a prophecy. Acts 2, as you remember, Peter quotes Psalm 16 about this body being raised. And he's like, that's not about King David. Think bigger. It was a song about the resurrection of the Christ. It's a prophecy. So Psalm 1 and 2, who is it about? How are you doing with the Lord? Back to that question. If your answer is not that great, actually, Owen, what's the hope? Okay. If church is to be centered around hope, who is this hope? Is it us or is it someone else? So Psalm 1 and 2, the gateway psalms they're called because they basically set the scene for the rest of the psalms on who's in this kingdom of the Lord and who's out, who can sing the psalms with confidence with God and who can't sing them. Who can experience the blessings of the Psalms? Okay, Psalm 1. Who is blessed? Who is blessed? All right, here's verse 1 and 2. And I'll start with the way to depress us all. Here's verse 1 and 2 again of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Let me depress you all. Is this you? Because some people read it like this. You will go home blessed tonight if you become this man. That means, right, basically verse 1, blessed, in the Lord, uh, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the Lord. You will be blessed tonight if all of you never, ever, ever again go anywhere near peer pressure Avoid it at all costs. And, verse 2, your delight has to be in the law of the Lord, and you must meditate it on it day and night. That is how to be blessed tonight in God. You've got to know your Bible backwards. Verse 3, only that type of person is blessed. He, the Bible um, basher, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water, He'll be blessed. <laughs> so, to be blessed tonight, you've got to avoid bad people and you've got to be a good person. And you don't really have time for like life because you have to meditate on the Word of God day and night. There you go, people. I hope you're full of hope. Adios. Problem solved. Um, it's like, oh. <laughs> My nephew is in high school, by the way. And um, it was his parents' evening recently. <laughs> and his friend never took the letter home to his parents that it was parents' evening because he's been a naughty boy this year. And his mum found it recently folded up between the slat in the bathroom floor, um, the, the letter home for parents' day. So, or, so my message to the, my nephew is, hey, avoid people like that naughty boy. 
Avoid him at all costs because that's the only way to be blessed and never put a foot wrong. And basically then, my goody two-shoes nephew, in all his blessings of God, he's contrasted to the naughty parents' evening boy in verse 4. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that blows away. Therefore, they won't stand in the day of judgment. The sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Right, so it's you versus them. The problem is, right, the problem is the way that some English Bibles translate the original Hebrew and hope can be lost. Because in the original Hebrew, right, in verse 1, there isn't a group mentioned. There's just one blessed man. And I'll get to that in a bit. And verse 4, there's a plural mentioned, a group of wicked. Okay? In the original, in verse 1, it is emphatic. This is a single person. There is one blessed man. So then we've got two translations that we can have in our English Bibles. This is the good one. Blessed is the one. Or blessed is the man. A bad one is this. Blessed are those who do not walk in step with unrighteous people. Blessed are those who meditate on the word. That's the killer. By the way, no one English Bible version gets everything right, so I like to use a variation, and don't get stuck in one, because um, not one always gets it right. There's a massive difference, though. One is an interpretation, and it's good. Blessed is the man against this group, plural of wicked. The other one is an interpretation and people take it like this. Blessed is anyone who reads their Bible a lot. Blessed is that kind of guy who reads their Bible. But that's not what it's saying tonight. And that's not the hope of the Christian message. Psalm 1 is a prophecy, right? Blessed is the man. Now, I don't know if you grew up watching WWF wrestling. You missed out if you didn't. Um, some of you probably did, but you can't admit it. Or giant haystacks or something like that. Do you remember the wrestling? There was one wrestler that was massive when I was growing up, and he was called the Heartbreak Kid. Right? And his slogan was, I am the man, the main event. That was his character. So he came down to the aisle to the music that he's the man and he's the main event. And he would go up to the cameras and be like, I am the main event. And what he meant was, all other men are to be judged according to my standard. And all other events are to be judged by mine. I'm the only show in town. It's exactly the way the Hebrew is phrased Blessed is the man. He is this exalted title. The man is used a few times in the Bible. Joseph in Egypt, if you remember that story, he is called the man when he is the top dog. The man who gets things done. If you want things done, go to the man. Okay? That's how it's used. And this man in Psalm 1 rules like a king. He, in verse 2, meditates on the Lord 
God's law and word day and night, which is what the king was always supposed to do. Now, I don't know if you know Deuteronomy. Um, I had a bookmark in it, but it's gone. Hold on, keep going. Yep, I got it. Listen to the old Jewish rules for the king of the nations. If you were anointed king, Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 20. When the king takes his throne, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law of God taken from that of the priests who are Levites. It's to be with him and he's to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully his words. That was the law made for a king of Israel. And by the way, they all botched it. They were all flops by and large, the ancient kings. Um, Andy, um, in the Bible, in the prayer meeting on Tuesday, read another one, Joshua 1 verse 8. Listen to this one. This is the command given to Joshua. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosper. Well, Joshua tried his best to lead, but he didn't do a perfect job either. But that was what was expected as the model man and king. He is blessed because he follows the law of the Lord. Now, whatever this man did in Psalm 1 prospered. All right? He, in verse 3, is like a tree that blossoms and gives life. He's not moved by winds and storms. Um, I'll ask you again, how's your walk with the Lord? All right, Owen, it's not great. What are you going to do about it? What is our hope? Was actually, this psalm is teaching us, hope comes from somebody else's performance on our behalf, who we're to trust in. Where we have failed, God gets pleased by someone else who does it better. This tree, that's also mentioned in Joshua 1. Um, do you remember who this term was used about? The branch is coming. Or the root is coming. It was a prophecy. Or who went around calling himself I am the vine. Who uses this tree language? It's imagery of trees by waters. Do you know um, Psalm 46? Listen to this one. Psalm 46 verse 4. It's a famous one. Um, have I got it right? Yep. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And you start getting this picture in the Bible of this tree of life and the city of God surrounded by blessing and waters and rivers of life. And, wait, i got one more reference. So, uh, Revelation 22 says, listen to this, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb 
down to the middle of the great city, and there was the tree of life bearing fruit for everyone. Blessed is the man, a tree of life. Life is found in his branches. His fruit never withers and feeds people forever. He doesn't fail. There's no death anymore around this tree of life. It cannot rot. I've lost count about how many people I've held the hand of as they've passed from this life to the next. What is my hope as, what is their hope as they're at their weakest? It's not this. Hey, try a bit harder, mate, to please the Lord before you go and meet him. Keep trying. Hey, don't talk to the nurses because you have to read your Bible day and night to be blessed. Don't go to the toilet, read the Bible. Don't move. Don't get on the phone. Do not. And only then will you be blessed. I've lost count the amount of people I've held their hands and said, our hope is in another one. We failed, but we're loved. There is a blessed man who's looking forward to coming now from heaven and taking you there with him. He's the tree of life. In Isaiah 53, it says, He carried our burdens. He's done it. So Psalm 1 is basically like an exotic holiday brochure for us to look at, honor, and admire. We turn from trying to do stuff ourselves and fix our own problems, and we come to this man and ask him for life. For life. And we get moved when we realize that this tree of life was actually nailed to another tree to take on death and failure, to take it on, smash it to bits, and then offer us life. The only man who matches this description, and I'm not, I don't want you to be put off aiming to be more righteous and getting into the word and avoiding sin and all that stuff, but there's only one who constantly matches it. There's only one who meditated and delighted and fed on the word of his father and knew it. There's only one who never goes into evil. And so he's blessed. The man of Psalm 1 is the anointed one, the Christ of Psalm 2, the Messiah. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord's anointed one. By the way, in the ancient Hebrew, Psalm 1 and 2 weren't two psalms. They were one. It was all about this man, and then Psalm 2 is about his rule as king. St. Augustine said, this is to be understood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who else could it be? Who is our help? Honestly, I'm more like the wicked group who are trying to oppose him and have my way all the time. But yet he blesses us day and night. So, Christian, how's your walk tonight? What's your hope as you go home and have your supper and rest tonight? Thankfully, you are not the central significant part of your safekeeping with God. Your performance is not the determining factor on where you stand tonight with Jesus and his Father. The determining factor and our hope tonight 
is that there's one blessed man who lived for us, died for us, rose for us, speaks to us tonight, welcomes us home. He is the blessed man. Isn't that so much better than go home and do a load of homework? For his name's sake, amen.